Hey, welcome back to Pigeonhole Hockey. This is Chris and today's co-host Steve. Hey, how's it going? And we're just a couple goalies that have uh, taken one too many pucks at the head and do not claim to be hockey experts at all, but simply just overzealous hockey fans that love to play hockey, watch hockey, read about hockey, and talk about hockey. Uh, we'll mostly dive into the NHL, but we'll also discuss happenings in the AHL, ECHL, NWHL, AIHL, EIHL, KHL, SPHL, FPHL, men and women's NCAA, USHL, USPHL, JWHL, Canadian Junior Leagues, and the Euro Leagues. So yeah, uh, we like hockey. So be sure to subscribe to this channel on, you know, and follow Pigeonhole Hockey on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, and uh, let us know what you think. And who knows, maybe we'll just bring you on as a guest host. Uh, so let's get into it. Um, hey, Steve. So this is our, you know, first ever podcast here, and um, figure we let people know who we are, and you know, maybe why outside of being, you know, brain damaged goalies, you know, why uh, why we follow teams we follow. So, uh, well, actually, you, know, you know what I think we should actually mention too is. It's actually random hockey that brought me and you talking together. <laughs> yes, well, you were over you were over in the land of the Great Brit when I'm yes. in Arizona, and it was being goaltenders that actually got us chatting, and yeah. then eventually, you know, running into each other, being friends. So, uh, the good old power of being quirky goaltenders, my friend. <laughs> yeah, we're a special breed. In fact, the first time we ever met surprised our wives because they did not know that was the first time we were ever meeting and that uh, the Golden Knights uh, hosting Arizona in their inaugural game in history. And my wife's like, you've never met him before? I'm like, no, we've been talking online for years. And both my wife and your wife looked at each other like, well, that's not creepy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's actually not the first time. I'll tell tell that story afterwards. But yeah, as a that Coyotes being my second team, that was one of the most painful uh, live <laughs> hockey performances I ever had to witness while you were running from ear to ear watching those nights just pound on them. <laughs> I had a blast, you know, because I relocated to Utah at that point. And uh, my wife being a natural Habs fan and me being a natural Sabres slash Caps fan, and we'll get into that, uh, you know, we both kind of became Golden Knights fans that night. It was kind of like... I think the whole atmosphere around, you know, the tragedy that had happened in there and how Vegas brought that in and didn't ignore it and really honored the victims. I think it just brought a whole new vibe to what was an already inaugural game. And uh, you really felt connected with everyone else and not only in the arena, but on the ice. And having England step in there, Vegas, uh, you know, like he's like Vegas himself. I mean, he's I think he's also been offered like a position within the golden knights organization so he could just retire but uh, that's another side talk as well but no i think that was just a really special game to be a part of and be part of uh, nhl history there and one thing i'll tell you is um you know i haven't i've been to enough hockey arenas and setups in the all over the u.s and canada and i have to say vegas has the best arena setup i've been to yeah. So besides, besides, you know, it was a crappy inaugural game. I think the best part of my game was us meeting up after the end of the first, me going to go get four beer and getting served in a packed arena and bringing beer back immediately. Yeah. It took us took me five, five minutes. I didn't have to rush out of like, okay, there's 64 seconds left in the period. I could get ahead on the line and maybe use the bathroom all before the next period starts. You know, because you have to play that. And you're like, well, 
18 minutes, bathroom break, standing in line. I will miss the first two minutes in the next period. Yeah, well, first two minutes. You're being, you're, you're being generous sometimes. Like, ah, there goes <laughs> that half that second period that I was looking forward to. However, in that game, though, I would have happily missed the second and third period. <laughs> yeah. yeah just, honestly, just, I, I had a blast. So. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a great game. But, uh, I mean, the reason me and you were – you know, here we are, like, I'm in Salt Lake City, you're in, you know, Phoenix, Arizona area, and, you know, I'm from Buffalo, and you're from where? Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, man. There you go. And so the we're just Sioux. a couple, like, special goalies, I guess you could say, yeah. uh, and we just like covering hockey. So basically, as I said, we, we're goalies. I'm originally from the, the Buffalo, Niagara Falls area. I've moved around a lot in the last 22, 23 years, so I've lived in... This is my second go around in Salt Lake City as I actually was in Salt Lake City during that Vegas Golden Knights game. I left again for my second go around in D.C. Yeah, so I've lived in North Dakota and St. Louis, then Ottawa, Canada. Uh, and then when I relocated out of Ottawa, I decided no matter what team I went to after 11 years of being a hockey fan, I was sick of being the fan that drunk fans wanted to fight. I was a guy in St. Louis. I was a guy in Ottawa. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go local wherever I go next. I don't care what level it is. It just ended up being D.C. And it really hurt me at first to become a Caps fan. It felt dirty. But honestly, the at that point, the red jerseys, I think they were in their second season. Ovechkin was just lighting it up as Ovi was. And honestly, it wasn't that hard to get ingrained within the, the Capitals culture because most people in D.C. are just, you know, planted from somewhere else. And so... You just kind of adapt to Capitals being your your second team and and just supporting the local team and it was you know it was it was a blast becoming a Caps fan there and then I moved to England where me and you ended up meeting up became a Coventry Blaze fan of the AHL I also kind of following the Milton Keynes Lightning for anybody listening that knows those teams sent to Utah and uh, became kind of a Grizzlies fan you know ECHL team and then uh, the Ogden Mustangs who at the time was WSHL and now the USPHL I'm only about. Five minutes for their arena and just love $5 beer night. I think it's a blast to watch those kids compete. Really competitive hockey. I love talking about all levels of hockey. And But again, this will be a probably 70% NHL podcast outside of NHL uh, trade deadline and the uh, free agent frenzy. This is where it's going to be just fully dominated by the NHL. But there's so many things happening in the hockey world right now. Top-notch players retiring out of women's hockey, you know, kind of the women's lockout right now. The fact that there's certain leagues that are going to be starting that up with uh, special shortened seasons. There's a lot of hockey talk. Steve, what's your background? Born and raised in Sault Ste. Marie, famous for Ronnie Francis, Craig Hartsburg, Marty Jerko Cup winner. A few other guys that came out of there, but uh, a lot of road hockey with the boys back home. Uh <laughs> Yeah, that was. That, that, I don't think we stopped playing that. Actually, that's one of my best memories growing on up. I was a quirky goalie. Loved playing in net. Hated playing in, in anything else except in road hockey. By the way, totally different. Uh, totally different setup. But then uh, moved. Been a lifelong Habs fan because my father was a passionate French Canadian that loved his Habs, and that's what drew me in. Was the Saturday nights down in his basement. We'd go to visit, and the game would already be on, and my grandfather was hunched on over watching a game intently, and you couldn't even talk to him because you didn't exist because hockey was on. That drew me in. My dad was a life, you know, lifelong Blackhawks fan, uh, so he didn't quite love my, my Habs love, but that's all right. And then uh, actually moved to Ottawa and eventually Montreal where I met my wife, who's a Leafs fan. It's kind of hilarious. But uh, we ended up in Arizona. And the funny thing about it at first was, you know, that whole background on Shane Doan and a French referee. So 
Canada had a really bad spin on that, so I thought negatively of the guy. And now I think he is probably one of the nicest human beings, let alone hockey players, I've ever met. I totally dismissed that story about that uh, Dome swearing at the French refs. That's not Dome's style. Adopted the Coyotes as the second team. It's been painful. It was cool when they made their playoff run with a, you know, or their conference final run because they hit the playoffs a few years in a row just to lose to the LA Kings. But that was a hell of a run. And, you know, I've been here firsthand to experience the, (laughs) I won't call them a dumpster fire, but it's just one issue after another with these coyotes. So we we can get to talking to that uh, at another point. But, yeah, so I actually watch more hockey now living in Arizona than I ever did in Canada. And I think it's just because I'm up, the, the time zone change, right? And then, you know, not being able to go out and do as much as I did back in Montreal. So I watch epic ton of hockey. So I'm not just versed in the Habs or the Coyotes. It's like almost every team. Yeah, and I think uh, that's something us East Coast kids didn't realize ending up on. You're on Pacific time. I'm on Mountain time. Dude, this is the this is the time zone if you're a hockey fan. Like, I get games, when I get off of work, games start at 5. East Coast games start, I catch Sabres games at 5, and any East Coast game at 5. And then the late games that used to, you know, I'm not staying up for that. You know, I got to work in the morning. Now it's like, oh, those games end at midnight. I can stay up for that. Yeah. You know, it's it's great. Like you said, this is, I've watched more hockey now, and so many different levels of hockey now than I ever imagined growing up, because you want to be at the pinnacle. Like, in, in the pinnacle, it, it's the NHL. And so... But there's so many competitive leagues out there, and, and hopefully down the road we're, we're talking this way about the NWHL. You know, people's daughters have a chance to be getting this sort of limelight uh, as, as you know, you're kind of seeing in the WNBA. This is it's a pinnacle right now of hockey, the NHL. Uh, there's no there's no competition for it. The KHL is a great league, and I enjoy watching the highlights out of it. But uh, it's not the National Hockey League. Yeah. Talk KHL as well. It's it's uh you know it's just, if you have an opinion about something hockey, you know, this is the podcast to listen to. This is the podcast to we we talk weekly hour long conversations about hockey. So we just decided to turn it into a podcast and see what other people thought. <laughs> so yeah. you know what I think just, we should kick we should kick this off with is <laughs> so you being a Buffalo boy. Oh, Let's yeah. talk about that tree, the Taylor Hall. I signing. didn't see it coming. So I would have never imagined ever that Taylor Hall would choose Buffalo. I was floored and, you know, probably half out of it when you shot me a text saying Hall's a saber. I'm like, bull. <laughs> He's not going to, st- he wants to be on a competitive team. And then, uh, honestly, so much has come out since, since he signed about why he signed with Buffalo and, I'm actually kind of stunned and I actually kind of have hope for the franchise that I thought had taken over the dumpster fire position of, the, you know, I was enjoying, uh, no offense, Senators fans. I lived there for four years. I expect to see them in the playoffs uh, oh, this yeah, year. That's, but. that's what happens when you've got a ton of cap space and COVID kind of helped that team out. They've got the ability to sign players that other teams don't. Yeah. So. And honestly, they're still the lowest. Aren't they still the lowest cap currently? Well, they, they haven't even hit the floor yet. So, I think they're the only team that hasn't hit the floor, right? Yeah, so they've got a lot of work to do. And you're, what you're going to see is these straggling players that haven't been signed yet, they may opt to go to Ottawa for a few years, you know, risking going over to Seattle, of course, because that's why we're seeing all those one-year contracts. Yeah. Because uh, they don't want to have their hands tied, right, go having to get plucked from a team. But you still may see Ottawa pick up a bunch of players. You know, they can do the no-movement, no-trade no clause, and some of these guys will protect them. So... 
there's still a lot of guys out there. But so, Hall, uh, yeah, back to what you were saying. In Arizona, I had mixed feelings when we signed them because the Coyotes were a frustrating team. Either they scored a ton of goals or nothing. And they just weren't about getting scrappy, dirty, ugly goals. They wanted pretty passing play, and it was frustrating to watch. But then when Hall came on, I said, okay, well, maybe, you know, here's the guy to finish it on off. He made an immediate impact. You could see the speed and the skill and the effort of the guy. But the team still had its shortcomings. So I just didn't see it being a great move unless they could keep him long term. So now, uh, fast forward with Shaika, a.k.a. Shaika Khan, totally destroying this team now it was a horrible signing but actually it may have led him to say Buffalo's not a bad choice because he's got more talent to play with yeah and and he mentioned that and it's uh because honestly as a born and raised Sabres fan I had to watch every video I could about why he signed in Buffalo and I mean he seems very genuine about the reason for for choosing Buffalo he's not the guy that wants a ton of limelight he definitely wants to be recognized but he's the work-life balance so to speak uh he can have his hockey life and that notoriety but he can also have some personal time and honestly the the fans in Buffalo one thing I, I knew growing up and this is a true story here growing up a Bills and Sabres fan I mean the Bills were just lighting it up in the early 90s despite the, until they got to a Super Bowl but you know Marv Levy was our head coach at the time what's that <laughs> Thurman Thomas. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, I got my Bruce Smith jersey. Uh, it's in this room. I, I remember sitting in a restaurant, and I was probably, you know, 9, 10, 11 years old, and Marv Levy was in the t- uh, table right next to us. And I'm like, oh, it's Marv Levy. I should go say hi. And my dad's like, no, 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 don't. He's, he's eating with his family. You don't bother him. And nobody in that restaurant approached the head coach of the Buffalo Bills. Not one person's like, hey, can I have your autograph? Can I have a pick? 99% of Sabres fans or Bills fans or Buttes fans are not going to come up and bother you. They're just not going to. I don't leave out the bandits there either. They're not going to come up and bother you. He talked about it. He mentioned talking about it with his family and his friends and his agent and other people. And obviously, he's very close to that area. His family's very close to, and what is he, Southern Ontario? His off, uh, his. Yeah, it's uh, right. He's, I think he's right in Toronto itself, to be honest with you. Yeah, well, I think that's his uh, summer home, but I don't know if necessarily I'd have to look up if Taylor Hall's from like the Toronto, Toronto area. But I think it was very important for him. He sounds like he's very family oriented and want to be close to his parents. And they wanted that, too. And they could head down to games all the time there in Buffalo. And it wouldn't be that's not a bad drive. That's an hour and a half from Toronto to Buffalo. That's easy. Yeah. Well, the other you know, thing to address, though, is Buffalo was always the, well, I won't say always the last what, two seasons, I can easily say that, just came out on fire. No, three seasons came out on fire. Yeah, they fire. came out on fire. Goals galore, fun and to watch. Yeah, and the fizzling is defense and goaltending. Now, defense is improving, but goaltending's not where it needs to be. So adding Hall helps that, but the thing is you still need that yeah. goaltender that you can rely on. So everybody and we missed out on the players. Yeah. Yeah, so until that's addressed, like, I don't doubt Hall's going to help everything, but it's going to be, can your goalie, you know, keep you keep you in that game without having to get a three or four goal lead, right? Yeah. Is he going to be able to steal anything? And that's been the problem, is your goaltenders haven't been able to steal a game. So, you know, there's talk about possible trades. You know, one thing I've heard is Kemper possibly on over that way. That would be a huge help for you guys, but... I just see that trade saying the Coyotes are going to send something on over that way and make you take on a, one of our bad contracts, right? 
they're going to yeah. force you guys like, hey, if you're going to take, we're going to give you Kemper, who would be a heck of a deal for you, and we could take one of your other goalies without an issue, right? And then, uh, yep, that's what that's what I would think would happen. I, I, I can't imagine why we'd all marks in in uh, arbitration right now, so I can't see why we would just dump off Hutton for maybe his last shot with Arizona. Yeah, so that's the big issue. If you guys can get goaltending corrected, well, now you've went from, you know, unfortunately the laughing stock of the league where you're taken seriously for the first few months to a competitive team. So, yeah, like I said, there's still lots of, like, we're looking at the guys out there. There's still a lot of good hockey players to be signed, which which is going to be fascinating. So, and like I said to you today, I said the biggest surprise to me is the Leafs signing Aaron Dell. Why? You now have three goalies. You've got Anderson as your starter, and you've got two proven backups. So which yeah. one's on their way out? Is it Are they finally going to deal Anderson and try to get more out of them? You know, more out of other teams, you know, clear some cap space and hope that these two guys can carry your team? You know, so that one baffled me. Like it just seemed like such an odd move. So, Yeah, it's and there has been some odd moves talking about – I'm just looking at the the most recent signings. I don't think Patrick Marlowe is necessarily an odd move. Letting him retire with his team and maybe reach that goal because isn't he approaching? Uh, is it Gordy Howe? Yeah, he's getting close to Gordy Howe without the WHA. Uh, or it was a WHA or WHL, whichever it was called the WHL. Right. Uh, without those games on there, but yeah, he's he's he he can pass. Well, I'd say in a normal season he could pass though. We past the uh past his record by playing a full season we just have to see how many games are going to be in this season right so yeah but he's he's on the cusp of catching how or possibly passing him and it could be because of that the other thing is he's still fast he can still score so maybe it's to appease fans but it's just that's just another team that's just not trending in the right direction right i think no talking about signings i think eric carlson was the worst thing they could have done yeah, that was a that was a just a when I saw that contract, I was just my mouth hit the floor. It's like, and I swear right now, Vegas is trying to become the new Toronto in terms of just being coming top heavy. Uh, the Carlson trade was well, the Carlson signing with San Jose was just mind numbing to me. I, honestly, even the Bobrovsky signing last year in Florida, I just thought. Well, yeah, that one is so. I I still think that's a, I love Bob. But that's I don't think that was a great contract. No, it's, it's well. There's a thing like I'm a huge Carey Price fan, and so anybody that says that's a bad contract, I laugh saying Price would have got that from if the Habs didn't do it. Any team in the league would have signed him for the amount of money he wanted. It's a lot of money to tie up in a goalie, but Price is Price. He stands out above. Bobrovsky's not Price. Um, there's very few goalies that, in my opinion, are up around that level. You know, um, Tuka Rask has had the benefit of having some really good uh, defensive-minded Boston teams around him. He's still a heck of a goalie. I'll never take that away from him. But Price is just the guy that if he he can steal you multiple games in a season, right? So I don't think – like I've watched Bobrovsky. Bobrovsky can be lights out, but another – he just seems more inconsistent. So that yeah, was he a, didn't have a great year. Yeah, and that's why I know going back to the Leafs, Anderson, they – because they're so top heavy, they're not going to have the money to sign him for what he wants. So, mm. and they're again, you know, I don't understand why they were talking about trying to sign Petrangelo. I don't know where that hey, year goes. I, I have Leafs friends. We all do. We are ashamed to admit it. <laughs> I'm married one. I'm. 
<laughs> and uh, I'm telling you, it's like they, they think they're going to get everybody. And it rarely happens, honestly. When they get one, they're like, the I told you so start coming out. It's like, oh. But did you guys get, like, Cavalier when he was available? Did you get, like, they, they always think they're going to get the top agents on the market. And they rarely do. It's It's really about... And they honestly, if you're a Maple Leaf fan, do you want the top agents on the market? Do you want to build? Because has that worked out for you since 1967? You well, know, it's it, helped them. What helped them was getting good draft picks and building their yeah. team that way. And then even and to look theirs. at them, man. Those they drafted some great guys, and and those are the guys that are building the new foundation of the. You don't. You don't. I'm sorry, Tavares. You don't sign Tavares and. I just don't think you needed Tavares when you got the talent they got. When you have to think about signing him, and, and honestly, they need D. And like, well, yeah, and then every almost every so, okay, so a Brody Brody from the Flames helps, mm-hmm. but he's still you know. So you talk to Flames fans because you know I watch Flames hockey. I know Brody paired up with uh, who's their captain. He was up for the Norris because he's playing so well. But him and Brody. Uh, together had some good offensive and defensive production on both sides, right? Yeah. So it's going to kill me here. I got to look at the defenseman. Um, Giordano. Giordano. There it is. Thanks. Yeah. Man. So him and Giordano together were good. I had but... to look it up too because I'm like I could see his face and I'm well, like that's what I could do. I, I'm a bald dude and I said it's the bald dude that <laughs> plays really good hockey for the Flames, right? So, but that's He's the only thing. their captain, like you know, not that yeah. Bad. But Giordano is a better defenseman in that pairing. So, so going to the Habs. Horrible signing that we just, you know, uh, we just bought him out. Good old Osner from your uh, Washington Capitals. Carlson made Osner look way better than what he was. But that's because Carlson had the wheels. Well, Osner just played stay at home, did the defensive, you know, cleanup stuff. But he just was too slow. And people wanted to crap on Bergevin for the signing, but multiple teams wanted him. And we didn't realize how slow he was until he hit the ice with their team. Right? And I think... I don't think Brody is definitely not Alzer. I'm not saying that, but I don't think Brody is their is their shutdown D man that they needed. And then look where Tyson Berry ends up, right? I'm okay. <laughs> talking like a Sabres fan here, uh, honestly, not necessarily because I don't think Sabres fans would give any of our top talent off to Toronto. But you look at it's it's not very well. It's not hidden that uh, Bristol Linen doesn't want to be in Buffalo anymore. And he's top-end defensive talent. If you're looking at what you got in Toronto and you're looking at Risto, unless they've tried and the con- you know the conversations haven't happened, it's time to like, okay, you guys got some top-end forwards, but we don't want to dump them off to Buffalo. Well, Buffalo doesn't want to exactly hand its one of its best defensemen off to Toronto. At some point, you got to make the sacrifice. You guys need defense, and we need well, that's, scoring. That's where you, we, we you need guys, scoring bad. It's like this well, works out for both teams. We'll meet each other in the you know the, Actually, the conference finals. What you're, what you're looking at right there, though, is you guys scoring-wise, not really. You guys need goaltending because it'll address that issue. So take We need action. scoring and goaltending. We're pretty, yeah, but- I think we're pretty comfortable defensively. But, you know, I mean, yes, we have Eichel and and Reinhardt and uh, Skinner and stuff. You know, yeah, you Eichel, had, I think, had a fantastic season finally. He's, he's, a, he's, he's definitely top-end talent. But I think a guy like Hall is going to bring it out in him, but – yeah, goaltending in Buffalo. I I saw all the like this was the year to get a goalie, and Buffalo did nothing. But look, I mean, so I you, love Hall. I I mean, I'm over the moon happy that we got Taylor Hall, but we needed a goalie, and I know we got Ukopeka Lukanen uh, coming up, and so he's not ready yet, but he will be, and I don't think it's going to be a couple years. But I mean, but you're looking at guys like grab, you grab know, Anderson, honestly, Mark Andre Fleury. Yeah. 
I know he wants to be in a championship uh, contender because he's flurry. I he's love not, flower he's not, power. He's not, he's not, coming, he to, coming, he's to not coming to Buffalo, man. Yeah, but what I'm saying is Anderson, this is where it makes sense, right? Make that swap with the, yeah. the Toronto Maple Leafs. Take their starting goalie, grab the defenseman that's available, and shake it up. That's what I'd be looking at. But, again, I'm not a GM. I'm a, what I like to call a couch potato GM. Yep. That's what I'd be looking at because hey, – I'm, I'm an actual GM on NHL 20. Actually, I think in NHL 20, I've won one cup in the entire year. And it was actually with Buffalo. So it took me like six seasons to get there. But And who was your goalie? I was. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only position that's non-negotiable. But, um, no, I couldn't, I couldn't drag any other team I tried. I, I tried uh, with, with multiple teams, probably six or seven teams in the NHL. And I just, man, I tell you what. But the thing is, I really I love playing an honest game there, and I really like seeing if I can take uh, a basement team and make it a contender. And, uh, I don't know, NHL 20 didn't let me do that, uh, except with the Sabres. That took yeah. me six years. But I'm more, um, I'm more Blades of Steel, man, so got my daughter into that. <laughs> But so uh, let's 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 now go on over because there's so many. Peter Angelo, right? We got to talk Peter Angelo. We what do you it. think of the deal with Vegas? Okay, well, Vegas is becoming top heavy. So we've got Peter Angelo. You've got uh, Mark Stone. Great signing there. You know, one of the most underrated players in the entire league. They, that was a great signing. Now they dumped Stastny off, right? Yep. So they cleared up some cap space doing that, but then you just added more by grabbing. Uh, you know, Peter Angelo. So Petrangelo, however he prefers it, I don't know. Um, I've watched it say both ways, but we'll get to that after. But okay, so you got Pacioretty, Stone, Petrangelo. Who else were you missing there? You just got Leonard and Flurry both come with the price. Yeah, they're, they said they have no intention of trading Flurry. So you got a lot of salary tied up, but we haven't hit anything. And they're going to have what? Carlson's going to have to be signed yeah. sooner than later. And if you go, like, I'd have to pull up the whole roster. Let's okay, so, go, go to Cap Friendly right now. And I'm already on the Cap Friendly Vegas Golden Knights right here. So you, you're talking, like, let's talk offensively. They got Mark Stone, Pacioretty, Carlson. Uh, they got Riley Smith, John Marshall, Alex Tuck, Chandler Stevenson, Ryan Reeves. And I think they just re-signed Ryan Reeves. William Carrier, and then you move on with a couple of the uh, – Yeah, but, okay, so who is, their, who is their stud defenseman? I'm blanking on his name right now that did awesome in the playoffs. Are we talking about Shea Theodore? Theodore. So what's he what's he left on his what's left on his contract? Oh man, he's only got five years left at five point two. Oh, that's not bad then. So they don't have to that's the thing, they don't have to sign him because if that was the case, well, <laughs> they may be in some trouble, right? So yep. but free agent wise, like that's what I'm trying to look at too. Who's coming up uh next season? So no sex coming up in twenty one, twenty two. Alec Martinez, that's not killing you. So no, I, I don't know if they are. You think they're going to resign Alec Martinez? No, probably not. There's no need to. They'll, they'll be pulling somebody else up. So the truth is, if you look at everything staggered out now, they still have a really damn impressive team, even with Petrangelo on there. But the problem is, goaltending-wise, holy cow, that's a lot in your goalies. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot in your goalies. You know goalies. what, though? That's a, that's, it is, but you look at it like, honestly, what is, what is uh, price being paid? One guy? Oh, price is what ten million, isn't he? Ten and a half, right? Yeah, he's like ten and a half, and I think you're talking about like Bob being a ten. So wrapping up twelve in two really number one goalies ain't the worst thing ever. 
honestly, it, but well, I'm. You know, but when you talk about Mar- when you have two top end talents like Flower Power and Leonard, mm-hmm. they don't want to be bouncing off each other. They want to start. Yeah. Well, no, that's so. That, that's the only thing is Flower Power is getting up in years, but he's still man, still performs. Like I love the guy, but I can't know, believe he's thirty five. But now, <laughs> but now look at the Golden Knights, right? It's not. It's not. It's not terrible. It's just they do have a lot tied up. Like Stone at nine point five, nobody's going to take Pacioretty, so he's going to be stuck there. Um, well, he My had only... a great season, like uh, like the last podcast where I proved myself wrong. He had a great <laughs> season. I don't know if necessarily it's a seven million dollar a year season. Yeah, but so um, he had a, But let's let's take a step back. He had a good season on a good offensive and yeah. solid and solid solid team, right? And then, like I said to you, first you know the round robin of playoffs. It's where he got most of his goals. And then when it when they needed him the most, it's not only him, the whole top line of people all disappeared, but he wasn't putting things up. And again, they fell into that pretty passing play type of goal stuff, like under power play. There was no crashing. It was cycle all the way around, shoot from the perimeter. Well, you're not being most goalies that way, right? There's yeah. got to be some screening tips, but go get some ugly damn goals. And here's here if I was coaching, I would sit there and say, you know what we're gonna do? Let's flip that bouncing puck in and crash the damn net. <laughs> yeah. Get, catch everybody off guard with it, including the goalie, because they're so damn hard to handle, and just do something like that, right? So, because as, you know, I'm not a Knights fan, but watching that power play, you know, in the conference finals was brutal. They, I, I forget what their stats were, but I, I don't know if they were, you know, one for whatever power plays they had, but they, they just weren't performing. At that point, what I don't understand as a coach is why not throw big Ryan Reeves to stand in front of the net, plant him there. uh, Boston did that with Charter at one point. I don't know how effective it was, but shake things up a bit, right? So, Well, and they did by signing Peter Angelo and getting rid of a perfectly good defenseman in H. Schmidt to Vancouver. (laughs) Can we talk about that trade? (laughs) Well, actually, let's let's take a look at the Canucks who – let their starting goalie go, one of their top defensemen go for yep. nothing. They just signed with other teams. The Habs well, grabbed the full. They did, but they've got some. I mean, they've got a pretty, in my opinion, a pretty solid defensive core. I mean, you're talking Edler, uh, Ben, Meyer, Schmidt, Hughes, and then uh, Jack Rathbone. It's good. You know, but, those are you know, those are young up and coming kids right there. And I think but they could. I signed- think honestly, we look at the the defense of the Vancouver Canucks, man. I think. I think they're doing it right. I, I with with how they've structured their youth. Yeah, but if there's if there's if there's some kid coming up for the minors that I don't know about, I just do not understand why did you let Tanev go when you could have signed him for that amount of money. That one didn't make any sense to me. They could have kept him, still brought on Schmidt. And the other thing is, okay, so my hat's still to You would have kept Tanev at that price? Why not? It's, that's not a bad contract. Was it four point five million? I, I like Tanev. I don't. I don't think. I th- I don't think Vancouver made the wrong choice there. But you let them walk for nothing. You got nothing out of it. Markstrom, nothing out of it. Both. <laughs> you could have definitely handled maybe a trade at the deadline or something better. But uh, I don't know. I don't think Vancouver needed to keep Tanev for that. Because who did he sign with? Calgary. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. I I would have let him walk. Well, now you're looking at now you're looking at the Flames, who now have your starting goalie. So the Flames have now become. One tough damn team. So they've got a good number one goalie, a good backup. 
they added, uh, you know, in my opinion, a better offensive defenseman in Tanev over Brody onto that team, right? They're looking yeah. pretty damn good now. And that's going to haunt the Canucks. Now, again, there's still a lot of good players out there that Vancouver can pick up. Now, offensively, the only issue that's going to be that's going to come down for the Canucks are they've got a bunch of young studs that are all coming up due at the same time. And oh, yeah. Maybe they're going to see how things play out now with this young roster and if they need to make any moves. But they're, I'm telling you right now, that was one hell of a team to watch in the playoffs. They were fun to watch. They were. And honestly, it's, it's a team in a city that deserve a cup. <laughs> like this... It just don't let them make it, a, you know, to cup finals and, uh, you know, fail out because we really don't need to see the city burn a third time. Yeah. Um, but uh, this the city and this fan base and this this franchise long as long suffering as the Buffalo Sabres themselves. Neither of those cities or those franchises yet have a cup. Both of those cities are well overdue. And, and, and the Canucks fan base is a passionate one and a very friendly one because not one of them chose to beat me up. Uh, during the 2010 Olympic Games, and that's a story for another uh, podcast. So I, th- I just think they're on the right path to becoming a really, like you said, fun team to watch, and I think they're going to go far and very quickly. But like you said, maybe uh, maybe they're seeing how these guys perform this year to determine who gets what and uh, maybe who stays and who's maybe available come Seattle's expansion. Yeah, um, well, that's going to be another interesting story because – so and here's here's uh, again not a I'm not I'm not a guy to exaggerate stuff or again not a hockey expert but I have people that were around me to back this up you know when the Knights they were about to you know go into their expansion draft and I made the prediction that they were going to either be the last spot just just barely miss out in the playoffs or just barely get in and people were saying well. How do you figure that, right? And I said, well, it's a different league than it was back when you had the Sharks, you know, Predators, and all these other expansion teams, right? Uh, In today's NHL, your fourth-line players are pretty good hockey players still, right? They're okay. Yeah, your third lines are pretty good. And, you know, besides the, the brilliance of the GM of the Knights grabbing every defenseman out there, and leveraging stuff, and then also taking so-called underperforming players off of their books, like the Florida Panthers, uh, they, you know, you had a bunch of second and third line guys, and let's be honest, second and third line guys are used to being bounced around weekly playing with other players that's not consistent. So right away, I said, these are going to be, these are players that are used to playing with different guys, you know, on a weekly basis. So they're going to gel pretty quick. Yeah. And it took the hell on off, right? They, you know, they looked like they were together a lot longer, right? So, you know, and all of that's work ethic and guys trying to prove themselves. But, you know, even their sophomore year still looked equally as damn impressive, right? And now they've got some good, you know, NHL depth on there. You know, again, going back to Stone, love that. Uh, you know my feelings on Max Pacioretty. I do, I uh, do. But there's a lot of other good players on that team. Um, so Seattle, I don't know if they're going to have the same push, but you just don't know, right? If they get a good goaltender, some decent D, and they can get some offense going, some guys wanting to prove themselves, you, you may see, I don't think quite like the Golden Knights, but you may see a pretty impressive team hit the ice pretty quick. 
Yeah, I don't so. think anybody's going to underestimate Seattle coming into the league. I think uh, that was expected with Vegas, and it did not happen. And I will actually say, and I have people that can back me up, I actually picked Vegas to go to the finals in their first season and lose to Cup. So I picked the Stanley Cup loser. I didn't you, think it and, would be against and, the Capitals. And you but, did and you did not place your bet in Vegas, you freaking no, fool. You know how much money I'm you would have made? Man. I dude, I I understand. That's, <laughs> that's why right now I have a job and we have to do this at night. <laughs> but like we, so before and we, we have, and we have no sponsors, Dracar Noir. No sponsors, <laughs> but we're definitely gonna push certain companies out here just so that in the future People who want to sponsor us can talk about how we, we push certain uh, organizations uh, we believe in or, you know, T-shirts we're wearing or something. But uh, before we move on to any of that, we, we're talking like uh, – uh, and, and honestly, before I talk about the Tafali sign in there by you all in, uh, in Habland, uh, let's talk about what do you think of the trade between the Avalanche and the Islanders trading off Devontae's? Um, For two second-round picks. No. Okay, again, you know – you know, good. So Taves, good defenseman, right? No knock on that whatsoever. But now I'm looking, though, over at, you know, again, the Islanders. What are the Islanders going to do right now? Like, what's their play? Because they're awfully, they've been awfully quiet through all of this. Yep. So what What are the Islanders plotting? What are they doing, right? Uh, they also lost Grice, didn't they? Uh, yes, they did. I think he signed in... Uh... Was it Chicago? Where did Grice sign? Yeah, he signed a longer contract too. Hold on, he's on the free agent tracker. Let's pull up. He Grace. signed a three-year contract, didn't he? It was a three. Yeah, hold on. Let's take a look at Grice. There's been so much stuff going on. This is tough to follow here. Uh, Louis Deming is making pies in now in Calgary. <laughs> what, where are you? What, oh, Grace! Uh, no, Grace. The... Grace is in Detroit. Detroit. Okay, I knew he was in a rust. Rust Belt City up there, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean that's uh, I think it's a pretty good signing. I think uh, you know Grice is a good goalie, and think with the right team around him and stuff. And and I mean they're in a rebuild, and you know he's a goalie that can you know definitely keep them in some games, and he's definitely been on some losing franchises and seasons in the past. So I, I think it's the right move. I think they still oh, they, got Jimmy up there. Uh no, I think Jimmy Howard's son. They had. Oh, the, the did he French, retire? Uh, French Can, no French Canadian goalie. Um, uh, they the Leafs had him for a while. See, I'm so bad with names. I had to pull up the roster. But again, he uh, stunned the Montreal Canadiens this year because they played him every game, and he did well. Let's pull up the Wings roster. Uh, oh, Jonathan Bernier. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Bernier. Well, I, Bernier's been there for uh, a couple years now. Yeah, yeah, he's been there for a minute. Uh, so I'm assuming they're they're. Projecting Thomas Grice is their uh, their top Starter. goalie now. Yeah, yeah, but it's not a bad if you're rebuilding. It's not a bad duel. No, um, no, not bad there. at all. And you know you're gonna watch Eiserman's got a great eye for talent. Look at Tampa Bay; he built them up well, right? So and then and then bailed on them when they would run into all their problems. I'm just gonna say that. You know. Yeah. So now back to you, what you're talking about the the Taves trade like, again. That, that's a good move, but. Again, I'm going back to you know what's what's going on with the Iowa. What are they thinking, right? Are they sitting back, just watching the dominoes fall? Do they have a possible other trade, you know, you know, in the works? So with Varlamov as their starter, I just don't know who their backup is anymore. But they had a good one-two punch, right? So I think isn't it uh, isn't it Corey Schneider now? 
in Ireland oh, on the is island. That, is, is that who they grabbed? Was yeah, I think Corey Schneider was bought out by Jersey, and I think he signed with a, or was looking to sign with the Islanders. Let's see here. Um, because he's still a good goalie, and he's still got some good years left in him, I think. And honestly, yeah, the Corey, yeah, you're right. I didn't, I didn't see that one year at seven seven hundred thousand dollars. So it's a good risk, right? Because you just never know. And honestly, I mean, if the Islanders have proven anything, is that they can rehab some. Uh, who is their goalie coach? The Isles. Because honestly, they rehab goalies like something I've never seen. <laughs> well, I think, think about it. Think about how actually, many goalies actually, whose careers actually, are over that go to the island. Yeah, and remember they've got a good coach that preaches you play both ends of the ice, right? He's the guy yeah. that got Otto Vechkin to change his game and get a cup. He taught him how to be a competitor to get a cup, right? So yeah. that's the thing, though, is you know, so goalies are going there to do well, but they also have one hell, you know, the setup, right? As far as their play, they they play. They play well around their net. They're very stingy with those. There's not a lot of second chance opportunities, you know, and they frustrate the hell out of you. So, um, so yeah, that's that's an interesting one. Now, let's go over this one because you brought up my Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, yeah. Goal. So, what do you think about the Defali? Oh, 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 stoked. You know, so as far as fan bases and passion go, you know, Montreal has some of the best fans in the world, but we've got Terrible. some of the whiniest jerks. That just whine about every single thing, and it drives me nuts. Right? So, Bergevin's a bum. Bergevin I think is... every every I think every fan base can attest to that. Yeah. Like, well, everyone has their own fans where it's like, shut up. And Montreal <laughs> has an exorbitant amount, though it's frustrating. So, there's this rumor Bergevin had a five-year plan. Never really said that. I don't even know where that came from. But Montreal's problem was to keep the fans and the media happy. You had to make the playoffs all the time, right? There's yep. never a tank year. We, we didn't end up last place, but it wasn't because they tried to do that. It just, they sucked. And the next year, rebounded back, right? Yep. And it was all locker room stuff. It was culture change, all these different things. And that's what needed to happen. And then Bergevin finally realized you can't give, you can't reward contracts of the loyalty anymore. He, he ran into that problem with DeHarnay. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I could actually go down the whole list of like guys they did that with and even the coach. He was buddy with buddies with Terry Ann. Terry Ann lost the Rockford and they hated him. So he, I think he quickly realized you can't do these things and change the whole culture in that locker room. That's why the Shea Weber trade happened, right? Get a, get yep. an, get get somebody with great leadership ability into that locker room besides Carey Price and reroute, you know, re, re, redefine that team. Um, best trade that guy made was Tatar and Suzuki for Pacioretty. Oh, yeah. Great trade. Suzuki... Can't say enough. Kakaniemi, everybody was questioning that pickup. Kid looked awesome in the playoffs. Like when he fought the Philadelphia Flyer last year and kicked his butt, it brought a tear to my eye. And, and he just he just won't stop. He puts on a few more pounds, and he's going to be a hell of a player. Now you, you he's add young, on, man. He, he can't yeah. even drink in the states. <laughs> so uh, everybody drinks in the states, even. My, my, my kids he can't now. legally drink. <laughs> but uh, we but are a law-abiding talk... podcast. <laughs> Brought to you once again by Smirnoff. Uh, so, uh, so the uh, so let's do something like Talisker. <laughs> well, we'll figure it. I like angels and myself. But anyway, so looking, you know, going back, so Bergevin was aggressive before the trade deadline, even or the free agency hit. Right, grabbed Allen, grabbed Edmondson. 
they they wanted a good backup goalie to take pressure off. We got you know two guys with Edmondson and Allen that have cup experience, right? The Habs got a big defensive core now. They got some also mobile, fast guys like Petrie. He he was arguably our best player besides Carey Price last year. And then we turn around and we get Josh Anderson. We talked about that in the last podcast. Love it. We needed that power forward gritty type of player with a bigger body to open up space for everybody else. And then Toffoli, another guy with cup experience that can get you goals, will hit the gritty areas. You throw Toffoli on with Gallagher and just throw your guy in the middle of that one, right? Uh, you know, if it's Suzuki, Kakini, Yemi, Dino, whoever it is, it doesn't matter, right? So the Habs have now become, you know, a more balanced team with a little bit more size and grit to them, right? So I dare somebody to go even breathe on Price now. And by the way, I'll, I'll touch on this because we didn't say much about it. Huge Domi fan. I'm a huge Domi fan. You know, when he was here in Arizona, met him several times, was gracious to my wife, my kids, you know, and I saw the potential in him. So when he was traded to the Habs, I was stoked. Habs fans, once again, moaning and complaining, too small, to this. I'm like, give it a couple of games into the season. They're going to love him. And sure enough, it happened. But Max's problem is he has a good year, then he has an off year. And the problem with his off year is I just don't think he's hit that professionalism in his in, in his life where he looks inward to say, what can I be doing to change my game up? What can I be doing to make myself better? It seems to me like it's all external. Now, maybe I'm missing something because I don't know him well, right? I don't know what's going around in these locker rooms, but... At some point, you got to look at yourself and say, what the hell's going on? Because I think his yeah. quote was, with the coach, Julian, he didn't know where he stood. Dude, you're on the fourth line in the playoffs. You knew where you stood. Yeah. Earn it. Go get it. Cock in the enemy did it. Suzuki sure as hell did it, right? The other younger guys weren't complaining. Cock in the enemy was sent down to the AHL for a good chunk of the season to get better because his game, you know, his game just wasn't where it needed to be. Did Cock in the enemy pout and ask for a trade or... Any of that other crap? Hell no, right? So, you know, to fully, like, I loved all the signings. So I'm stoked to watch my Habs play again this year, right? So that you know, we caught teams off guard the last two years because of all our speed, you know, and our and our ability to compete. Now we got that size added to it. So, you know, and we needed somebody on the power play. Like the thing that we were the best at for so many years was our power play, and it's been atrocious. So. I'm really hoping, because last year, Joanne was on fire until that Capitals game where Ovi put the big hit on him, <laughs> going after the little guy. And then he got hurt after, and he wasn't the same, but he was on fire. So if Joanne's got the ability, these guys give him some more space, he could be the player that they want him to become. So this is really the telling season for Joanne, you know, and, you know, for a few of the other players. So um, so there's there's my Habs rant. What are your thoughts on Lays uh, Gloria? Oh, with with uh, what my thoughts on how the Habs Domi whole situation? No, all of it overall. What are your thoughts on it? I, I really like what they've done. I like the talent they've acquired. I I liked the Folly signing since they decided they were gonna you know part ways with Domi. I like the I like their acquisitions. Definitely. I think that you know and really you've got a pretty strong core right now, especially behind Carey Price. What is it? Twenty fifth Stanley Cup. Yep, number twenty five. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you know, I mean, I can count all of the Sabres cups on no hands. So <laughs> you know, get, go. You know, yeah. But in order to get that number twenty-five, there, 
I mean, once Price is past his prime, I mean, yeah, they picked up. Uh, so you guys picked up Jake Allen from St. Louis, and I mean, should something happen where Carey gets injured or something, I'm not even sweating as a Habs fan. You got Jake Allen in that, so I think you guys have a pretty strong combination and in, in net there with a clear number one being your ten and a half million dollar uh, goalie. Y'all got a strike, I think, in the next two or three years, or it's done. Oh, uh, I mean, we, how many how many how many more years does Price have on him to keep up this pace? And well, honestly, in that yeah. environment. Well, yeah. So with Price, though, so now with that's why you got Allen in, right? This year, shortened season in the playoffs, Price was locked in. He was the carry Price we needed to see, right? Yep. And that one stick save where we pointed out where everybody said it was <sighs> luck. No, that dude, luck. that's that's that's. Skill. that's that's a guy that just he just knows how to goalie, dude. There's no he other does. way of saying it. He was locked in. When I saw that one too, like and kudos to Suzuki, who was about to take a puck off the head, right? <laughs> I think yep. Price saved his life. But I mean, good kudos for that kid to go into that net though, right? And take a hard shot if it was to to keep it going. But um with Allen there now, Price's window is probably still four years. Is they've got four years to get something. Yeah, I mean, he's got, what, six years left on his contract. You guys have probably, my opinion, two or three years. He's going to be 35, 36. And, I mean, y'all keep paying until he's almost 40. But, I mean, if he pulls it, I mean, if he can be that elite till he's 40, I mean, that's, I, I I mean, it could happen. I mean, goalies do it. But uh, it's just very rare. Um, It's probably Mm going to be a contract y'all regret at the last year or two. But if you get that cup, no one's going to care. Yeah, well, but you also see, right? Because he may retire before that thing's even done. It's the same as Weber. That's true. Yeah. You know, because I can't see, you know, Weber. He's had some issues. Like, he had a good season again this year, but he's only got a few more of those. You're right. Like the core of the team, you know. Um, you guys got a strong core, and I mean, honestly, you got some really young, good talent. Like oh, I'm Romanoff. looking forward. Ro- that's it, Romanov. I'm looking forward to that because, again, power play, right? Yeah, it was no secret in our power play. Load up for the Weber bomb. It was easy enough to protect against that. But Romanov's got a decent shot. Petrie's got a bullet. So now, when you have that more balanced attack again, with more guys who go hard to that net, you know, I think it opens it up a lot more. So um, now let's let's reverse courses here and talk about um, a team that's not going to be contending for the playoffs in the Arizona Coyotes. <laughs> <laughs> Your other team, uh, and we might have to save our, our Coyotes and our Capitals, of course, my Capitals, your Coyotes, uh, for maybe a later conversation. Or, um, honestly, we're, we're still going here. People are still listening. Hey. Um, but, you know, uh, yeah, let's move on to Arizona. So, I mean, you guys have, like, the highest the highest cap hit in the league. Well, right they, just dumped, crazy. they just dumped a couple of guys. But let's go take a look now because the signings they had – uh, Pitlick, that's a good signing. Like they got so the thing is they dumped off all their small, uh, Shikakon, Corsi guys that weren't putting the puck in the net, and they, you know, upgraded up the bigger guys because that's what they needed. They were just so damn tiny. But yeah. um, let's take a look at the Coyotes and see where they're standing now with the cap. It's still not going to be pretty. Uh, so we're no, looking I think at it's pretty rough. <laughs> actually, they've got projected cap space still sitting at zero dollars right now. <laughs> They're um, still at the top. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, according to capfriendly.com, 
If you haven't checked it out, everyone check it out. They're pretty awesome. You know, Arizona, St. Louis, Vegas, Anaheim, Montreal, and the Caps are now, all projected to have zero cap space. Now, let's let's look at this, okay? Projected. So, Kemper is going to be their biggest chip to sell off. Now, Ronta could be, because Ronta, being a goalie, as far as naturally athletic goalies go, because Ronta's not the biggest guy, right? I watched that guy make some incredible saves. Oh, yeah. When he's healthy, he can be amazing, but I don't think he's finished a complete year with the Coyotes so far, and that's a major problem. Uh, now, let's look at something else. Kemper, that forced Kemper to become the goalie, that potential that he had, he's been unbelievable, but you know his injury last year killed the Coyotes, but again, you can't score one or two goals and expect to win. Now let's start to look at some of these salaries. Are we ready? Um, I'm ready. <laughs> How about your newest signing? John, well, just hold on. Jomison at $5 million. Uh, my biggest complaint about the hammer, the guy can't clear a puck to save his life. Like, <laughs> solid, solid stick checking you know, type of defenseman that way. But when you need to get a puck clear in your zone in a crucial moment, the hammer's not the guy. Because he showed that last playoffs again. Like I think you were, I think you were the recipient of my yeah, my just cursing tirade I went on. Going was that Jalmerson who flipped the puck? They intercepted it at the red line. But even worse, with the two Coyotes players, instead of sliding in and taking that defenseman out to knock the puck of the zone, one was Kraus, and I like Kraus. They both went in, made themselves skinny for the pass to come through in the eventual goal to tie the freaking game up. But it started, and John Merson does this without him clearing the puck. Goligoski. Again, it's painful, isn't it? He's, he's okay, so just not where it needs to be. Ekman Larson. Ekman Larson, if he was on another team without all the expectations on him, I think his career would be revived. Um, way too, he, he should not be the guy that has to fight when somebody takes a shot at somebody. He was effective when you had another good puck-moving threat on the other side. Him and, uh, well, what's what's his name? Uh, Yando were amazing together. So much fun to watch, right? Now let's go down to their offense. Clayton Keller at 7.1. He, he so easily knocked off the puck. Now is he skilled with his hands? Yeah. Oak, you decent enough shot, but my goodness, he's so tiny. Like the, He's got to... Go on his Sidney Crosby, Nate McKinnon training plan and build up his core and his legs. Because mm-hmm. he's not a seven he's not a seven million dollar player and we've got him locked no. forever. Yep. Phil that could, I think that's a bad bad contract on Phil that. Phil Castle, the guy who does not want to train. Gary Roberts, if you're out there, please come to Arizona and get that lazy SOB to get back into shape and play some hockey. Next thing, Phil, is if you're injured, do your team's favors and go rest. You were pathetic this year. You were supposed to be our saving grace in Arizona. You sucked, Phil. You sucked, Phil. $6.8 million. Step on. I just want to say to everyone listening, I think we uh, I think we found his trigger point right there. <laughs> Step on. Don't hand this guy a hot dog. (laughs) Yeah, step on. Getting up there in the age. Now, like him because he seems to be a natural leader, you know, could come in and do stuff, but he just doesn't have the wheels he used to have, right? $6.5 million, though. Yeah. 
Is he a 6.5 million player? Do you want him on the Cavs for six point? But thank you. So there goes that argument, right? Nick Schmaltz, the guy who hurt his knee and Shaika Khan signs him to a multi-year deal. Now, if Schmaltz does turn out to be a good center, you know, that 5.8 million looks like a steal a few years from now. But haven't seen it yet. I saw small little glimpses, but no consistency, right? Mm-hmm. And Christian Dvorak, love that sign. Devo all day, love it, right? Kraus, like Kraus. But now we're going down this lineup, like Connor Garland. That he was so impressive that he hurt his knee. Like what made him awesome was his ability to turn on a dime and just throw guys off. Hurt his knee, didn't see those type of turning in the playoffs. So I don't think he's quite got it back yet. Barrett Hayton, I really hope he develops, you know, but, you know, probably should have played a lot more time. Well, he couldn't in the AHL before because that was the problem, but he needs some time down there to really develop. But you look at this roster, Keller, Kessel, Stepan, Schmaltz. Is that inspiring you to say, hey, we're going for a cup? No. <laughs> I, you guys have a lot of money wrapped up, but you have a lot of money wrapped up, and I don't know what's happening. Yeah, and the thing is, who's going to take some of these contracts? Who the, the only, it's Like I said, if we targeted Buffalo, who really wants Kemper, we've got to turn around to you guys and say, and hey, by the way, do you want to take on Derek Stepan to, to release $6.5 million, even though over these other guys that keep him, will you take Phil Castle <laughs> and get him off our books, right? Who's I don't know, man. I'm looking at these guys going, how bad do we, I mean, we need a goalie, but it's, you know, we, we've got some, we've got some thick contracts in our books too. We have the wiggle room, a ton of wiggle room. We still have Kyle Akpozo. And again, well done with Kyle Akpozo for his, his recovery. But when you're talking about what to take, like obviously if Buffalo wants a Kemper and we give up Hutton, I mean, Kemper Hutton, I think it, we're talking, you guys might, on the Kemper Hutton side of the deal, might save about just under a million. Just over a million, maybe. Just over a million. I want to say Hutton's like 3.3 or something. But, yeah, we'd have to take on what, though? And I'm looking at what we would take on to take on, you know, to, to be able to acquire Kemper. And, I mean, if I'm the Sabres GM, this is... This is something I have to dive deep into because looking at what you all got there, I mean, would I take on Derek Stefan? We've just really filled up on some centermen. Uh, but for one year, would we take the risk, just take on his contract? Maybe. Uh, but I'm looking at your roster. I'm like, who do we need? We need scoring. We were pretty solid on defense. But we just need a rough and tough grinder. We Looking don't have much of those. We got Kraus. No, and you can't. guys just took Johan Larson from us for 1.4 a year. So, uh, so good yeah, luck. that's what I'm saying. There's, there's really nothing. Yeah, that's what I mean. You look at the Coyotes right now. Like Kessel is because I'm not taking. Yeah, I mean maybe Phil Kessel, like you said, maybe the only other. I mean, you guys probably aren't going to give us some of these young guys. I mean, we could take on Tyler Pitlick. I don't think you guys want to dump no, that we, contract. We, it's low. We, we just, we just right. So you're them. looking at you're looking to a com- to dump a contract, and I mean, it would have to be Derek Stefan for a year, which would be low risk, or Phil Kessel, who could just be there in Buffalo to simply just torture Maple Leafs fans when they come down, <laughs> and that might alone just be worth bringing in Phil Kessel. Plus, he's a goal scorer when he's healthy and he's in shape when he cares he? when he cares. Man, it's hard to – he is one of the most talented players in the NHL when he cares. Would we take on that risk as a Sabres fan? Yeah, I would. If if I could 
dump off somebody, I'd have to look at our who I'd be willing to trade because honestly, we'd have to give up some money to take on Kessel, but it would really free up some space for y'all. But as a Sabres fan, yeah, I would say I'd, I'd be looking to dump Kessel. I'd be, I'd take on Kessel. But I just don't know for what price yet. I'd have to literally sit here and analyze. This would have to be a whole separate conversation, so I could actually give a solid pitch on, like, <laughs> well, it, we'll bring, you know, we'll, analytics we'll and stuff, and be and like, "Here's what you're going to do: is we're going to start off the next one going, and after the introduction, you're going to say, and Steve, <laughs> what's the quickest way to trigger you in Arizona? Uh, Bill, Philly, Philly cheesesteak hot dog castle. Uh And then I'll tell you what I think would be a reasonable as as a gm of honestly i can't even remember the last team i was a gm of it might have actually been i don't know jersey um you know i'll tell you what i think and what i would probably do on a deal there and nhl 21 comes out you know free pitch for nhl 21 here on uh october 16th i'm stoked well for anybody who got the like super duper awesome expansion one day. They're getting theirs today. It's October 13th when this podcast is being recorded. I'm cool with the $60 version. I'm really just kind of happy with that. And I will be looking forward to playing that endlessly for months on end as COVID is nowhere. It's, it's just not ending. And then, so, and then my plug, uh, Blades of Steel again. Uh, let's get the retro t-shirts going. <laughs> let's get the, the, the fights. And then the <laughs> the... The secret move is passing the puck into the offense, you know, into the net. It's the perfect way to score in that game. If you like this podcast, tell your friends. Chime in on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and such. And I'm I'm pretty sure we're developing Twitch right now. And uh, give us a listen. Let us know what you think. Let us know if you think we're fantastic or if you think we're just belligerent morons. That should probably start, you know, or stop, not maybe start drinking. Well, maybe you think we should start drinking more before the show. Maybe we would have more to say. Or uh, maybe stop drinking well before the show. Yeah, one or the other. Um. <laughs> Good. Well, thank you all for listening to Pigeonhole Hockey. This is Chris and Steve. And, uh, yeah, give us a listen next time.